that they might be one, as you and the Father and you and He are one. Grant that the charismatic Episcopal Church, being bound together in love and obedience to you, may be united in one body by the Holy Spirit, that the world may believe in Jesus whom you have sent. And we ask this through your Son, Jesus our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The Old Testament comes from Hosea, chapter 10, verse 1, commencing. Israel is a luxuriant vine whose fruit matches its growth. The more abundant his fruit, the more altars he built. The more productive his land, the more sacred pillars he set up. Their heart is false, now they pray for their guilt. God shall break down their altars and destroy their sacred pillars. If they would say, we have no king, since they do not fear the Lord, what can the king do for them? The king of Samaria shall disappear like foam upon the waters. The high places of Avon shall be destroyed, the sin of Israel. Thorns and thistles shall overgrow their altars. Then they shall cry out to the mountains, cover us, and to the hills, fall upon us. So for yourselves justice. Reap the fruit of piety. Break up for yourself a new field. For it is the time to seek the Lord till he come till He come and rain down justice upon you. The word of the Lord. This evening, please stand. This evening's psalm is Psalm 105. Sing to him, sing his praises. Proclaim all his wondrous deeds. Glory in his holy name. Rejoice, O hearts that seek the Lord. Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek to serve him constantly. Recall the wondrous deeds that he has wrought, his portents and the judgments he has uttered. You descendants of Abraham, his servants, sons of Jacob, his chosen ones. He, the Lord, is our God. Throughout the earth, his judgments prevail. Speaking always the praise of the Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning.
See Matthew chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. And when Jesus had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. First Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus, and Labius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of God is it, of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your, nor bag for your journey, nor two, two tunics nor sandals, nor staffs, for a worker is worthy of his food. Now, whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and stay there till you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in that day of judgment than for that city. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise be to you, Lord.
Well, today was a fun day. Did everybody have fun? Praise God. I did. I did. I had a a great day with uh, my wife. And uh, we don't get get a lot of time just to be alone, and uh, and we were. And so uh, I'm thankful to the Lord. You know, these um, convocations in which uh, I've been told, well, somebody said to me just uh, coming in that we went, there's been over 500 people here. We were expecting 200. And uh, so God is drawing us. You know, that's the work of God. And... Um, and uh, I know it sounded crazy. It's like uh, who in their right mind decided to go to Vegas for a convocation. But uh, I think it was a perfect place to, to, to come. And this room has been great, and, and they're putting out the meal. And tonight you're going to have a, a phenomenal time of fellowship uh, together. We're going to have a phenomenal time of fellowship. But these things don't happen without a whole lot of work, whatever, whatever group, and this is the second time that uh, we've called on uh, the Diocese of the West uh, to throw a convocation, and, um, and like the last one, they've done a fantastic job, amen? But there's a, there's a leadership team, and I, I'd like to call them forward and not up onto the on a platform, just in front of the altar, and uh, just so you can see who they are, and uh, and I have a gift for you to, on behalf of, of all of us, uh, to say thank you for all the work. First and foremost, uh, uh, Bishop Doug Kessler, and uh, and then uh, Dave and Jody Anderson, where you? come on up. Uh, Chris and Sandy Moran. Eddie Harris. Ron Mudd. Jesse Harris. Father Joe Chicarello. Courtney Nuno, and Phil Johnston. You can hand out the gifts. Just hand them out. And uh, I know you all applauded, but I think you got to do it on your feet. Amen? Amen. Thank you so much. You can be seated Man. from the Book of Kells. Uh, you can be seated. Thanks a lot. You can all be seated. We're gathered here because um, we've all been called by God from various places, from various denominations, from various backgrounds, uh, from Pentecostal, Charismatic, Roman Catholic, Anglican, hearing, hearing the voice of the Lord, along with people around the world, in Africa, in Brazil, in Asia, in Vietnam, in Southeast Asia, in the Philippines, because God spoke to us about these three mighty streams of ancient Christianity, and that they should not be separate, but they should be one mighty river. And all of us kind of played with that for years and years and years until, from the voice of a prophet, 
uh, Bishop Adler gave a sounding call, which uh, was really his son spoke at his funeral to the fatherless to come and join together. And one thing that I'm certain of as a patriarch, that this is not the movement of a man. This is a move of God. And that move will not be stopped. This is a group of faithful men and women hearing the voice, coming together to live out our life in the local church as households of faith, continuing day by day to listen to him. Psalm 69, verse 6 says, God sets the lonely in families. He leads forth the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. You and I, and every person you run into, was created by God to be loved. To be made in the image of God is to be made to be loved. And everything from the moment we scream our first cry coming out of our mother's womb, we're crying out for people to love us and to find people to love. That's a common thing, common theme in any person you talk to. <laughs> they want to be loved. Now, sometimes they find it in very broken ways and very wounded ways, and things don't work out always, but they're still meant to be loved. And they're called to enter into a love that's greater than any friendship, deeper than any romance. We're called in the image of God to enter into a love that desires to find itself in us and to live for the sake of others and willingness to sacrifice everything to see that happen. That love is the love of God. The creation story and the entire gospel itself begins with God's love. St. Augustine called God's love the abyss of love. Never ending. Always abounding. Always more. When you think you've had it all, there's more there. An abyss of love that we know is the Trinity. Creating objects to love, made so that his image, so that we can receive that love, that we can be united to him in a fellowship that is universal, but also very intimate and personal. That's something different than anything else in creation. You and I as humanity are called to enter into that in a way different than our pets. You know, I love my dog. His name is Toby. Toby's a little kind of guy. He's really cute as can be. But I'm really not made to be in fellowship with him. I talk to him like he listens. How many of you have a dog when you leave the house say, now be good, don't get into trouble? I'll be right back. Don't worry. Dog just looks at you. I certainly don't greet him like other dogs greet him. <laughs> and when we come across another dog, he enters into his dog world. He just pretends to be in people world when he's with me. You know, we, uh, I used to think, you know, like when they were licking you in the face, they were just kissing you, right? 
They're actually trying to get you to throw up. <laughs> like their mother did, so they can, you know. But man is different. We long to find that love of God. We long as he longs to be us. Even in our fallenness in the garden, it was God who sought us to be in fellowship, seeking us out, knowing who we are, knowing what we did, knowing that we would be in fear and ashamed and guilty, and yet he came to us again and again, over and over. And we're called to embrace that. Love comes out of being loved by God. We're commanded to love as he loves us. And the question we always can ask, if we're doubting that we should love another person, we have to ask, does Christ love us? And how does he love us? We're called to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. Love begins there with the knowledge that we're loved by God. But not a God who loves because that's one of his characteristics. You know, like he's faithful or he's merciful. Not called to love because he's kind or It's just kind of the way he is. No, he's called to love because God is love. And every time we love one another, I'll never forget, of course, when my first child was born, I can't imagine, I was holding in my arms and looking down and kind of feeling like God that I created him somehow. But this love took over that knew, knew inside, deep down inside. And it was so awesome that I might have called it fear. That somehow I was going to live the rest of my life for that boy. That was God. That love was God. There, present with us. Because of who he is. And we long for it. I, uh, the young man, God, when you can say when I was a young man, <laughs> I was, I, when I was in my 20s. I practiced psychology in um, drug and alcohol counseling. I worked in a, um, in a therapeutic community in Worcester, Massachusetts, among uh, recovering heroin addicts. And um, one of my jobs was was to run a group on um, one night during the week for parents of the uh, people who were in the program, the family counseling. And so the guys or women in the program would come and their parents would come. Some of them wouldn't come. They had had it with their kids. But on the whole, most of them would show up. And there was one young woman who had changed her name She's uh, years ago. And just so I can speak of her personally, Cheryl. And she asked her father to come. And her father came. He was a, an immigrant from Greece. Big man. And... Um, his Greek Orthodox upbringing, but he had come to be born again. And he came to the group with Bible in hand. And, and something inside of me said, this isn't going to go good. Isn't that strange? <laughs> and sure enough, I turned and introduced everybody. And then he started and he turned to me. And he quoted a Bible verse, and then he said, I don't know what Cheryl wants from me. 
And then he went on. He said, I've taken care of her. I gave her a home. Gave her clothes. Anything she asked for, I gave her. I, I don't know what Cheryl wants from me. Cheryl, I said, why don't you ask her? And he just got silent. I said, well, Cheryl, tell your dad what you want from him. And Cheryl said, I want him to say that he loves me and hug me. The guy immediately goes, I don't know what she wants. We've tried everything as parents. And she's done nothing but hurt us. She's done nothing but come pain in her life. I don't know what she wants. Why don't you ask her? Nothing. Cheryl said, Dad, I just want you to hug me. And say you love me. And that went on three, four times until Cheryl finally stormed out of the room, crying. The father shook his head and said, see, she'll never tell you what she wants. She's never satisfied. Cheryl left the program. Three weeks later, she died of an overdose. That longing, that longing that's in each of us to be loved. And we have been anointed as the family of God to hug Cheryl. To hug the Cheryls of this world who have been rejected and tossed aside. To hug each other with the love of God. That is our longing. And it's for this reason that we have been set up in a family to take part in the eternal love affair of the Trinity, both now and forever. And it begins in baptism. It begins in our being immersed, totally taken over, that's what immersion means. It's not to go under and come back up. <laughs> True immersion is to die in baptism. It's to drown in the clean waters of God's love. It's found as we immerse ourselves, sometimes day after day or Sunday after Sunday, in the great family banquet of heaven, the feast of the wedding of love, and eat food that quenches that hunger for love and drink that which completely quenches our thirst for love in God. And over and over we are forgiven. Amen. Over and over. How many people say, how many times are they going to be forgiven of the same sin? I said, until they're dead. And then we're called to be immersed into the community of love, the church. Building and finding the source of life together. Family, you see, flows from the love of the Trinity. It's not good for man to be alone. It's called to be in that relationship with God and a relationship with each other. And family hence becomes the school of love. It's where we learn to love. To walk in that. And, and in that way, marriage becomes a sacrament. It's a visible sign, Paul tells us, of the love between Christ and the church. Marriage isn't about just loving each other as a couple. It's about showing the world and bringing people into the love of God. Unfortunately, the church has given this up. The church has done more damage to marriage than the world. 
And it began actually in the Reformation, when the sacrament of marriage merely became an agreement or a covenant between two people who are supposed to, quote, love each other. Luther saw it as a secular agreement, and the church should have no business with it. And hence the divorce culture was birthed. I celebrated 47 years of marriage yesterday, and I don't remember life without Kathy in it. And I know when I go to my grave, I'll have gone living my entire, almost my entire life with her. She's in it. But she's not my best friend. She's not my sweetheart, my soulmate, my other half, my better half, my girlfriend, or any other title the world wants to give. She's my wife. And because she's my wife, I cherish her. And I'm committed to die for her, to live to the fullness of all that God wants for her and all that she has been called to be. And I know she lives that way towards me. See, we need to stop secularizing Christian marriage with romantic and erotic drivel. As nice as that can be, and believe me, I can be a romantic. We recall, we need to recall marriage back to its elevated position of holiness and sacredness that expresses nothing else but the love of the Trinity and make the world jealous for what we have and not us being jealous for what they have. <laughs> we need to look and present a model of holiness that young people will look to the church rather than celebrities. Somebody said to me, do you think gay marriage should be legalized? I said, I'm not sure celebrity marriage should be legalized. <laughs> See, marriage is a vocation. It's a ministry, just like ordination. It's called to do something because of what it is and who we are. And a couple is called to participate in a Trinitarian love that we find in Jesus. So that, as Father Eddie said, his way, his will, are at the center of our relationship. And at the end of it is holy matrimony. Marriage as a vocation to the world to expose and make visible the love, reconciliation, repentance, service, hope, real joy to manifest the marriage of the Lamb. Divorce is horrible because it hurts people. But when Christians divorce, it sends a message far more horrible in the heavenly realms. Because what God has joined together, what God has joined together, let no one put asunder. I understand divorce. My parents were divorced. My father was married three times. My sister's been divorced. All my half-brothers and sisters have been divorced. Kathy and I are the only one of the group that have stayed married. And I have compassion for those who have gone through divorce. But God never intended for divorce. And we as a church need to talk about premarital counseling that gets beyond how to talk to one another and manage money and start talking about how to walk in the incredible love of God and be a vocation to the world that's going to hell in a bucket around us. We need to call for holiness and to teach family life. We need to live counterculturally.
live in a culture that's, we live in a culture that's not Christian friendly. And we're not going back to the 50s. They weren't that good anyways. I like my air conditioner. I like my cell phone. I even like my microwave. I like the fact that we began in the 50s to conquer racial injustice. I'm not upset that women can wear slats. Aren't you okay with that? Let's go back to the 50s. I'm going, I want to go into Christianity the way it's supposed to be and not this culturalized Christianity that's been presented to us. A radical, genuine Christianity. Again, I think I've shared that people have asked, are you a Republican or a Democrat? I said, I'm not neither. I'm an alien. <laughs> I come from another place. And uh, there's a whole bunch of us aliens. <laughs> We've been taken over by a spirit from somewhere else. And our home is not here. And every week we need to gather and eat this food in order to have life in us. <laughs> and we get our marching orders from our leader. And we go forth to make other aliens. What we need is Christian families to show the world how it is to be really human. That the world lives less than human. The world lives in degradation. The world lives in depravity. And God weeps. And we should weep. We're called to be truly human, and to be truly human is to love and to forgive to embrace Cheryl, to embrace those that nobody wants to embrace, to be not worry about being successful, but to embrace being faithful and being holy, to live young people to the high and incredible standard of a crucified, sacrificial, and suffering love that will lead others into the kingdom of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to ask the deacon to lead us in prayer. Please stand. Brothers and sisters, it is through the faithful promises of God that we are called his sons and daughters. Therefore, as such, let us bring our needs and those of the whole world before God our Father. That the patriarch, all bishops, priests, and deacons will live the lives holy, will live lives holy and pleasing to the Lord, that God the Father will be glorified even among non-believers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That there will be unity among God's living saints in matters which are essential and respect for those differences that are non-essential with all wisdom and humility. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. The governments will seek justice tempered with mercy for all their people, especially the poor and the powerless. Lord, in your mercy, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit would be poured out abundantly upon all God's people and used for the glory of God and the good of all. Lord, in your mercy, that artists, authors, songwriters, and producers will dedicate their talents to glorifying God and encouraging the hearts and minds of people towards righteousness. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That we will welcome Christ as we see him in the stranger, the homeless, the imprisoned, and the unwanted child. 
Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That those who are sick or near death will find healing and comfort in the promises of Christ. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For our own special intentions. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Faithful Lord, you have called us to make disciples of all nations. Hear our prayer and give us the grace to proclaim your name throughout the whole earth. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. With your spirit. Let us Let us look to the Lord as we prepare to bring him our tithes and offerings. Through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. As we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us.
Will you gladly lay down your life for me? You are my father. You want me to reign and rule with you in your kingdom. You are my love betrothed. Will you call me your beloved one? And there is no other. There is no one like Jehovah. So I say, oh, oh my God, God you are oh my God. God. There is no other one like you. Early in the morning I was seeking, I would find you. My only survival plan in this weary land to put my weary soul in your hands. Yeah. Oh my God, you are oh my God. There is no other one like you. Early in the morning I was seeking, I would find for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands. It will become the body of Christ. Blessed be God. Blessed are you, Lord of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become the blood of Christ. Blessed are you, Lord of all creation, through your goodness. We bring these offerings before you. They will be used in your church for the work you have set before us and for the furthering of your kingdom. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. For in the multitude of your saints, you have surrounded us with a great cloud of witnesses, that we might rejoice in their fellowship and run with endurance the race that is set before us, and together with them receive the crown of glory that never fades away. Therefore, with the angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, we glorify your name as we, as we sing Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. O 
Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. 